What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Coming up on episode 206 of Wheel Bearings, we drive the Toyota Avalon Hybrid, the 2021 Cadillac Escalade, the 2022 Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross, Robbie tries out Mercedes-Benz Level 3 Drive Pilot, I try out the uh, new version of Super Cruise on the 2022 GMC Sierra, Argo teams up with Lyft to deploy robo-taxis, and we answer some listener questions. All that coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 206 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abuel Samad from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakeland from Auto by Tal. And I am Roberto Baldwin from Engadget. Mr. Baldwin, why don't you uh, begin with what you were driving this week? So this week I was driving the Cadillac Escalade, or as the regular people call it, the Escalade. Uh, the 2021 <laughs> uh, four-wheel drive platinum Cadillac Escalade. It is a very large, very expensive uh, uh, vehicle. The, uh, the version that they dropped off in front of my home was $112,000. Well, it's 112. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of money for an Escalade. And okay, so let's let I'm gonna I, first of all I'm gonna start off with I I uh, when the Escalade was first introduced, I absolutely abhorred it, and then I drove it, and then I just wanted to burn it with fire Ooh. because like the first generation <laughs> and probably the first two generations of Escalade were just horrible to drive. It was like driving a trampoline. Every bump because they wanted to keep that that Escalade, you know, that Cadillac float. That doesn't work very well with a large SUV because then they just keep floating for a good quarter of a mile. So every time you're driving down the freeway, and then if you uh, live in, I don't know about the rest of the country, but in the uh, in Southern California where I was driving it, um, almost every overpass, there's a little bit of a lip because we have earthquakes, so everything has to be sort of segmented. And so you're just sort of floating along in, <laughs> in this vehicle, and, it, and it, it's, it's unnerving. To say the least. Now, this uh, this generation, the 2021, that was uh, driving is uh, much better. They've uh, the, the technology, dampening technology has has gotten um, far better in the I guess over a decade since I drove that um, first generation Cadillac. This is what I like about the vehicle, um, Super Cruise. I, I'm a big fan of Super Cruise. At this, uh, the version I'm driving has uh, Super Cruise. Uh, it works well. It's hands-free. It did. There is a certain corner when after you go over the Bay Bridge when you're going into the East Bay. This is actually pretty sharp for um, a, 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 a highway, 
And I had my hands over the wheel because I was like, oh, I don't know if we're going to make this. <laughs> it, did a, it did a very good job going around it. And, you know, I'm, I'm still I, I'm still uh, un complete. I'm, I, I don't completely trust any of these systems to 2.5, whatever. Um, so, I, I, you know, you're supposed it's supposed to be hands free. So you can put your hands in your lap. If we're going down a straight line, I'm like, OK, I can do that. But when there's corners and stuff, I sort of put my hands up and sort of like, you know, they're levitating over the wheel. Same. Uh, I can't do it. I'm like, OK, no fancy yeah. tech's going to work. It's like, but but if it doesn't, my hands are like two inches from me. I'm like, no, no. OK, it's good. Ah, like, I, uh, I can't. Uh, uh, I can't. Yeah. I can't I know. Trust. It's like I, I know too much about this technology that I, I can never trust it entirely. <laughs> right. right? Exactly. You're like, I know it should work, but if it does. <laughs> if it doesn't, this is a bad scene. You're like, well, you're supposed to be taking, a, you know, supposed to be paying attention. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. I know. And um, this is the reason why. Yeah. Um, it it. So I, I I do like Super Cruise. I like the night vision uh, setup, and I know it's kind of set up for the, the you know if you're driving through the woods and there's a deer or whatever. But um, if you live in a um, uh, like uh, an urban environment or a deeply, you know, densely populated area like the, like uh, Northern California and the Bay Area, uh, you know, you drive along, you know, a lot of people walk around, you know, there's a lot of walking and, and public transportation here in Northern California means there's a lot of people on the street. And um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but really, if you're from San Francisco or the Bay Area, the official um, uniform is just black jeans, a black shirt, a black hoodie. And if, you know, probably if you're, you're a Giants fan, a black hat with the orange thing. That's it. That's what you're supposed to wear. Don't tell the tech people, because once <laughs> they find out, they're going to ape it. And then everyone who's from San Francisco is going to come after me and kill me. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, so that, but that makes it difficult to see people at night, and the, uh, the the night vision setup on there, where it's you know in the dash cluster, it shows you essentially almost uh, like 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 predator heat vision. It, everything's black except for things that are hot, which are white. Um, that worked really well, you know, and 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 it, it saw someone who was riding down the middle of the street on their bicycle. It was able to determine that they were a bicyclist as opposed to, say, a motorcyclist or or you know a very skinny car. I don't know. Um, so I, I, I enjoy that technology. Um, it's a comfortable vehicle. It's I, it's just that I I feel like I like the Lincoln Navigator more. I th I just think the Lincoln Navigator is, is uh the Lincoln's a better job. Of doing, of, of basically creating a really nice Cadillac <laughs> than Cadillac has, <laughs> um, and it's a hundred. It's 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 really tough to 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 look at that vehicle and think it's a hundred and twelve thousand dollars, and ah, it just doesn't feel. It feels like an eighty-five. I know that's still a lot of money, <laughs> but it feels like an eighty-five thousand dollar car, even though it's the platinum edition, even though it's four-wheel drive. You know, I've been driving it up and down the freeway. I've been using it for uh, to pick to, uh, to to do errands. I've been taking my wife to and from work with it, and it, it it's not that it's it's a bad car. It just there. I just feel like there's something missing. Um, you know, and it, it it has the the you know that large um, that large. Uh, what is it? A 6.2 liter V8 engine in there. So it's you know you have a lot of power. It's a 10-speed automatic. I haven't had any problems with the with the with the uh, drivetrain or with shifting or with it, everything is there, but it just feels like. 
and it comes together, but it doesn't come together in a package that feels that like it should be worth that much money. And I feel like it comes together much better with the, the Lincoln Navigator. And uh, I know people are, are always curious about uh, what the uh, MPG is. The uh, combined MPG on this vehicle is 16, it's 14 city, 19 highway. Uh, my average was 14.7 miles per gallon. Um, it, it was, uh, yeah, it, that, that was, it was fine. It was fine. The 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 the, the 2021 Escalade Platinum. It's it's fine. It was awesome. Yeah, I want that to be the thing. Like, just show the car driving across the screen in a commercial. The 2021 Escalade. It was fine. It was fine. <laughs> the te- and I feel like the, techno- yeah. the technology really wowed me. And I think the technology that Cadillac and GM have put in there are, is great. Um, but I, I I I don't know. I I I, I it's it's yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Sam's going to have questions <laughs> yeah. for my, my super I, I vague, want, I don't, like, what's I, the deal? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I've, I've driven I've driven the Escalade, the new Escalade, a couple of times now. I had one back in, I think, January or February, and then I had one in May. Um, uh, again, you know, once they had launched Super Cruise on there, because I wanted to try out the, 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 new, the second generation Super Cruise. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, I mostly agree with, with what you said. I think, you know, and I, I, I too, you know, really like the Navigator, you know, as a big full-size SUV. Um, that said, you know, I do think that the new, the, the, the new current generation GM full-size SUVs actually do have slightly better driving dynamics than the the Navigator and and the Ford Expedition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, when you know when I had an opportunity to ride in them back to back. You know, over some some rough roads, uh, and, you know, and uneven pavement, it um, the the GM trucks. And granted, I didn't actually ride in the um, the Cadillac. This was with the uh, the Tahoe and the mm-hmm. Suburban uh, when when we did this back to back. But I mean, it's it had the same. It's got the same underpinnings and it's got the same suspension setup with the the air springs and the Magna Ride dampers. They you actually get you know less head toss in the GM. SUVs than you do in the the Ford and the Lincoln, you know. So the ride is actually a little bit smoother, a little better controlled uh, mm-hmm. than it is in in the Ford vehicles. Um, but aside from that, you know, yeah, I mean, I I do I do think that the 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 Lincoln does feel generally a little more luxurious. You know, not that necessarily either one is worth upwards of a hundred grand, and you know, <laughs> yeah, a that's the other navigator. Yeah. You know, a Navigator Black Label, you know, is upwards of a hundred grand as well, uh, but the Navigator does not, at least not currently, offer anything like Super Cruise. And you know, there's there's other things. I mean, that OLED display setup in the cat in the Cadillac does look phenomenal. It looks marvelous. It it looks it's gorgeous to look at. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The technology in that vehicle is 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 just amazing. And it, but it's it's like that technology in that vehicle, and you you're, you're right. The ride is 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 so much better than what it was, and it is better than the Lincoln. But there's yeah. something about that link, that Navigator, for some reason, that feels more like one cohesive, like wonderful unit. Where the Cadillac, here's a great thing, and here's a great thing, and then here's some luxury stuff, and it doesn't. It doesn't match up to my feel to to my experience in other Cadillacs, like other like the sedans. Like every time I get, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. This is you know, you get that, and it's I I don't know if it's I don't know. I, I wonder how much of that may be 
due to the fact that, you know, in the case of the sedans, those vehicles are unique to Cadillac. You know, yeah. In, in their current form, the CT4 and the CT5. Um, whereas this, you know, does share an architecture with the Chevrolet and GMC SUVs. So I wonder if there's something there. Uh, although, you know, it's the underpinnings, you know, the, the chassis is actually what's really good on this this generation of those. So who knows? I mean, it, it, it is a little odd. Yeah, it's just, it, it, yeah, it, it's 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 really difficult for me to put my, my, my finger on exactly what, what I feel like is missing in this vehicle. And if you buy an Escalade, and if you're a fan of the Escalade, if you've had one before, you're going to love this vehicle. Don't don't be like, oh, Roberto said it's, oh, it's you know, it's, yeah, it's vastly better than any yes, previous it's one. vastly better. Than, it's just, it's, it's, there's, there's just, sometimes when you, when you get in a vehicle, you just feel like it's missing something, something that sort of brings it all together. And, I, and, and for me... That's what I feel like when I when I'm driving the, es- it, the Escalade. It ha- that certain je ne sais quoi. <laughs> the je ne sais quoi. It's 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 missing a, a, a je ne sais quoi, which I don't even know what that translates to. I don't know what. Like it means. Oh, I don't know what. really? <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> like, wow, it's, it's like who's on first sounds... thing. It means I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what. That's so funny because it sounds so much fancier. When right? I, when like I'm like je I don't know what. Je ne sais quoi. That sounds much better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, Not, it's like you know, if, pe- people who speak with an English accent sound so much smarter than exactly. everybody else, even though clearly, you know, if you look at who they've got as their prime minister, they're not. But you know, <laughs> they did vote they for just sound for... more sophisticated. Yeah. Ah, yeah. uh, good times. Anyway, right. Escalade. <laughs> Escalade. All I can think of is that SNL skit where he call, oh, talks about getting stuck in his Escalade in the south in the middle of winter. Do you ever really seen this? It's like an older oh. SNL skit. And in it, he says, so I, he's all freaked out because it snows in Atlanta and he doesn't know where to go. And he takes his, he goes to the only self safe space he, space he could think of, which was the highway in his white Escalade. And he keeps calling it a white Escalade. So every time I see one in my brain, I hear Escalade. Go Google it. It's the funniest. The it's hilarious. It's very escalade. funny. White I like Escalade. That. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm Googling that. You have to it's, Google. It's, it's a very funny, funny skit. sketch from SNL. It is. And I and I see it at some point pop up every time there's snow down in Atlanta. Somebody has it, has it up there or puts a screen capture because it's about how they all have no idea what to do in a quarter of an inch of the white stuff. The white stuff. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cute. You know, but I hate the heat, well, so I feel you. Well, it's, you know, where you live, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, well, you certainly know what to do with the white stuff, Nicole. I do. We get enough Hampshire, snow up so. here. A quarter of an inch is like, bad. don't even worry about it. I'm still wearing flip-flops. That's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so what were you driving I was week? driving um, something considerably less fancy and more affordable. In fact, if I did the math right, you could buy three of these or one Escalade. Your call. Ooh. Um, yeah. Uh, so I had the 2020 Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross, which is not their the Eclipse of old, which was just a car. This is this is their little crossover. Um, I had a very very brief time because we had a ragtop ramble up here in New England, so we had a great big car shuffle. We drove up the coast up to Maine and had lobster, and the cars we drove up were not the cars we drove mm-hmm. back. So we had a he had a brief time. I know it was really I had to suffer. I had lobster uh, right on the ocean and blueberry pie because uh, Maine tough. Mm-hmm. It was tough. It was one of my harder days at work. I don't know how I made it. Um, so anyway, I drove home in the 2020 Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross. Um, I, 
uh, there's a lot of je ne sais quoi with this. So it's a Mitsubishi. It's a Mitsubishi. It has a 1.5 liter four-cylinder. It's a whopping 152 horsepower uh, for this crossover, and it's a CVT. And it does—it really doesn't like to go. Uh, it was a little disconcerting, honestly, getting on the highway because I would think I have left plenty of room to merge, and suddenly it's not really—you don't have that oomph. You have to leave a lot of room, or you're going to find that you're kind of. You're inadvertently cutting it a little closer and sort of cutting people off. You're like, oh, I'll be out of your way in plenty of time. Sorry there, buddy. I know you're right up my butt now, but I thought I could get this going. Give me um, another half mile. I'll make yeah, it. I give swear. me another half mile, and I swear <laughs> then I will be out of your way. So I'm not real keen on the performance of it, and it's just – but it's $31,000. So it's a really – that's the top trim of this car. So oh, it has, nice. that's the SEL, and it has power heated seats with leather trims and a panoramic roof. And it's, it's got all the fancy you could want. All the features are there. It just doesn't have the performance. Mm-hmm. So as much as I want to say, like, hate on it for that, I can't really hate on it for that because not everybody wants a performance car. And if you just need an attractive, fully featured crossover that can handle, you know, your kids that can handle some stuff in the back that has you know, all wheel drive. If you want it for the snow, uh, then you can get one for 31 grand. Uh, are you going to love driving this? If you're someone who likes performance, if you like a really aggressive car that handles well, that's spirited, that's engaging, this is not your car. But that really isn't everybody. Uh, so for me, it wasn't the best drive because that's not the kind of car I like. But I really do think there's a spot for this. I think for the for the family on a budget, you can make this work. It's going to make you feel, if you don't mind the driving, if you aren't someone who doesn't care about that performance aspect, which a lot of people really truly don't, this is this is just fine. Like that's good. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Mitsubishi. I I I, I take a, a offense at the fact that they're using the word eclipse though. I know a lot of people do. They it's yeah. they're mad because it's not. It's but it's not the eclipse. It's the eclipse cross. I mean, do I you take offense that it's the Mustang Mach E? I take less offense at that because the Mustang Mach E is actually fun to drive, even though it's it's okay. not a Mustang. It's I, 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 I'm I'm happy to tell you that it's not a Mustang, but it's still fun to drive. Okay. I don't feel like the the eclipse is just but completely out of left field. Like, don't even bother with the DNA. It's like yeah. we have the eclipse, which is a yeah. Falcon, and then we made the 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 eclipse across, which is a sloth. I mean, they're not even in the same like no. animal. Well, gra- granted, granted, the last couple of generations of Eclipse Coupe were nothing to yeah, write home that's about true. either. I mean, yeah. really, it was kind of like the first generation. Yeah, the one cool was fun, one, and then they got progressively lamer as they went. <laughs> so, along. is this then actually living up to that legacy more than we think? Because it just continued to get lamer. It, it's it it, <laughs> seem, it, seem, it seems to be right on the trend line that the Eclipse was taking. You know, over the course of its you know, almost what twenty year lifespan. Is that how long uh, it was around? Came out in about nineteen ninety. Wow. So the eclipse. Yeah, it came out in about nineteen ninety. The eclipse is wow. the pinnacle. It is the sixteen year old varsity quarterback. Oh. And the eclipse cross is twenty years later, 
and uh, it hasn't been when working got, out. When he's gotten has, divorced when it, from the cheerleader divorced, that he married. And, yeah, he's okay. divorced. He's, he's yeah. driving an Uber for a li- little extra cash. little extra cash. Delivering Grubhub meals. <laughs> and that was how meals. Nicole got her very last Mitsubishi loan ever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he's we still, said he's, it. You did. He's not, he's a fine, he's not a bad person. It's just, this is how things have worked out. Yeah, I, There's like, nothing. There's nothing wrong with Bill Eclipse. Bill Eclipse is still a good person. It's just that Bill Eclipse is not 16-year-old Bill Eclipse, like varsity star football player. He's, you know, recently divorced Bill Eclipse. Yeah, I don't think mid thirties. I don't think it helped them at all. I mean, I suppose what they were probably trying to capture was the idea that, hey, we'll capture some of the, the spark of the quarterback eclipse. But instead, it's like this huge, it would be better if they come with something totally different. So you had no preconceived, like, yeah, Mitsubishi eclipse, like, so that you had no preconceived notions. Then you go into this, I mean, it wouldn't actually make the car better, but maybe it would make it less, like... Wah, wah, kind of disappointing. Less disappointing. Yeah. Like you wouldn't have thought, well, maybe this is like an eclipse in disguise. Nope. Nope, it is not. Don't think that. You want, you want to under-promise and over-deliver, right. not the other yeah. way around. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe if they had changed that up a little bit, you know, maybe there was a better way to do that. But I, like as like I said, though, as much as I sort of, I, I mean, it is not a great car to drive if you like driving if you like an engaging drive if you're someone who's really into that sort of sportier handling crisper handling that performance but there are plenty of people out there doing driving cars that look at them as nothing more than toasters you know they're an appliance they get the job done this does get the job done it has all-wheel drive it's very affordable and if you want to have it still has nice features i mean leather seats or leather seats or leather seats it doesn't matter if the car doesn't drive well so if you're still looking for something that's an affordable family choice and that the the drive characteristics, the performance is just not a priority for you, then you're going to be perfectly happy with this and you're going to save a ton of money because you're not getting a performance car. How's that? Right. And, you know, to, to affordability, you know, if you don't live somewhere where you need all-wheel drive, yeah, you can, uh, I assume you had the all-wheel drive one, right? I did, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can get it for about 25000 yeah, if you if uh, you front wheel drive the front wheel drive that's actually probably gonna even probably gonna perform a little better because it's gonna be a little lighter. Right, even if you go with the chop trim with that SEL. No, what is it? The SEL without all wheel drive. Where is it? Yeah. It is yeah twenty nine. So it's drives, still 20, under twenty seven thousand. Yeah, so it's yeah, still under thirty thousand dollars. You know, it's still coming in relatively cheap in the grains. I mean, that's pretty cheap when you consider what you're getting. It is a nice but. By modern standards, yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. All-wheel drive starts at, with like destination and all that jazz, at $27,000. $27,000 you get all-wheel drive and a 1.5, you know. Right. CVT, but still, all-wheel drive, you're in the mountains, you need a car, you just need to get to the the grocery store and get to work. You don't care about anything else. I feel it's like that. You know, like you look for cars. Or you like could get you... a Ford Maverick for $20,000. Oh, yeah. Oh, I looked at that. I got to see that up close and personal <coughs> this week. That was awesome. Um, that looks cooler than this drove. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> I have better hope for that. I think I'll looks be more, cooler. more excited about that. But yeah, so it's, so it's, it, you know, is it a car you want to drive if you really enjoy the driving thing, if driving style is your priority? Absolutely not. If you're looking for an affordable, 
crossover that can still be attractive and comfortable inside and, you know, does the job of doing what you want a crossover to do, bingo. This fits the bill. Bam. And the reality is that that is probably most people. See, that's what I mean. Like, as much as we're all into it, like, yes, how does it drive? How's the acceleration? How's the handling? How's that transmission? Most people aren't as into that as we are. And I think there's plenty of folks who be honestly quite happy with this because they're not looking for that engaging driving experience. They want safe, reliable, affordable. Correct. And this checks all those boxes. Bam. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to keep saying bam throughout the podcast. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Apologizing in in advance. (laughs) All right. I also had something that was quite fine. Um, Maybe not quite ultra fine. Is that the theme of this podcast? A little little more fine, more more, more fine than than the Eclipse Cross. I had the uh, the Toyota Avalon Hybrid uh, Limited. So the Avalon, for those who don't recall, is Toyota's... (laughs) Big sedan. Uh, based, it's based on the Camry platform, but it's bigger as it as it always has been, um, and it it's one of the last of the the big traditional sedans that you can still buy, uh, aside from like the Chrysler 300 and the the Dodge Challenger, Dodge Charger. It, this you know if you you know previously were in the market for something like a Ford Taurus, Chevy Impala, uh, you know. This is one of the last of that breed. All those cars, they're gone. The Buick, LeSabre, LaCrosse, whatever, you know, they're all they're all history. They're, you can't buy those anymore. But you can still buy the Avalon. And, you know, if you're not somebody that wants that taller riding position of a crossover, you know, you like uh you like the the car style seating position and you want big room room to stretch out. You know, if you're if you're a tall person and you need that extra headroom, extra legroom, um, and you've got tall kids that are going to sit in the back, um, lots of room in the back for them, good sized trunk in this thing, uh, and this is the the hybrid. It's got Toyota's 2.5 liter four cylinder hybrid powertrain, so it's the same setup that you will find in the the Sienna, uh, in the Rav4, in the Highlander. Um, Although unlike the Sienna and the the Rav, uh, and I think also the Highlander, this is a front wheel drive only. I don't think there's an all wheel drive hybrid Avalon, um, but it's also in the Camry. Uh, so basically, you know, if you like Camry but you just want more of that, the Avalon is the car for you. Um, you want a little yeah, more it's, Camry? It, it's <laughs> yes. I mean, it's you know, and this current generation Avalon, I think, is actually a decent looking car. I think it's it's you know maybe a little too much grill, but that you know is not <laughs> Just a, a problem that is unique to <laughs> not unique to Toyota. Um, this is this is uh, you know it's a pandemic that's going around among auto designers. They feel like they need more grill, um, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, aside from that, you know, I think it's a it's a nice shape. It it, it generally looks good. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but uh, the the you know the interior is really nice. It's very comfortable. The the materials are are well done. Good fit and finish. You know, it's typical Toyota fit and finish. Uh, there's nothing really to complain about. It's not particularly quick, but I think it's probably quicker than the. Then the Eclipse Cross, uh, <laughs> the one I had, it's definitely 
you know, it, it's a it's a nice place to spend time. It's got, as with all contemporary Toyotas, it's got the full uh, Toyota Safety Sense P package. Uh, so it's got pre, the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection, full-speed uh, adaptive cruise control, uh, lane departure alert uh, with steering assist, so lane keeping assist, uh, auto high beams, blind spot monitors, all all the goodies. Lots of lots and lots of airbags. You know, twice as many airbags as you have seats. So everybody's got at least two uh, <laughs> to work with. Uh, so. Uh, you know, it's. I think it, it's a it's a really good full size sedan, and uh, it's EPA rated at, at forty three miles per gallon, city, highway, and combined. Um, I think I got about uh, thirty eight because I was not being particularly efficient in my driving with it because uh, I wanted to see you know what it could do, um, and uh, so I was I was playing with it a bit. It's it's actually. A pretty decent handling car now. It's you know it's on this modern Toyota platform that has decent driving dynamics, so it, it feels safe and precise. You know, it goes where you point it. Uh, you know, I think it will merge with traffic uh, a little more promptly than the Mitsubishi will. Uh, and it starts. It starts off uh, the base XLE hybrid starts at thirty-seven thousand. Uh, the, the, the limit, there's also a mid-level XSE, which is the slightly more sporty looking one. So you get the, the, the more black trim, uh, and the, the dark gray painted alloy wheels. Uh, and then the limited is the, the luxury version. So all in for this one, uh, including delivery charge came to $46,717, um, which not inexpensive, uh, quite a bit more than the, uh, than the Eclipse Cross, quite a bit less than the Escalade. Um, but you know, it doesn't, doesn't carry eight people like an Escalade can. And uh, if you have two of them, you could buy uh, two, but, and maybe strap them together. With that's some true. You could buy two and actually, and actually have more, even more people. You could have 10 people. Yeah. If you have two Avalons. So there take is the, that. Take that into uh, account. Uh, no super life. cruise though. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, if you're, if, if what you want is a big sedan, this is, you know, this is the last one you can get pretty much in the U.S. market, and it's it's a good one. I mean, you you won't be disappointed if this is the kind of card that you want. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of like a big sedan that's left, and I'm like, no, no, Honda Court, no, mm-hmm. but Maxima, no. I think MKZ's gone. K7 is that still a? I, I think yeah. I think I, I think I think K7. Kia discontinued the K7. I as don't well. think there's there's just the K5 now, isn't there? So. Yeah. yeah, it's just the K5. So the, the, K, the K7's, the K7's gone. Um, you know, so I guess the only the only other big sedans you're going to find are you know the luxury yeah. sedans. You know the the Mercedes, BMW, Audis. That's it. Uh, everything else is gone. There's, There's nothing know, left. The um, the Nissan Maxima, you know, is smaller than this. Yeah. You know, the, the Maxima is actually the same size as an Altima, just with arguably sportier styling um but you know it's it's not it's not any yeah. bigger um so this this is it you know honda doesn't have anything in this class no so um that's those those are your choices uh, so if you <laughs> want a mainstream it. big sedan that's that's that, it. toyota's that's got it. you covered and and given given that they have a monopoly on the segment you know it's good that they haven't you know dropped the yep. ball and you know kind of let it go to seed you know it's it's still a very good vehicle so all right um, news of the week. Dun, dun, dun. Um, last time we Wait, talked before about before we get to news, uh, can I mention something? 
There was something I wanted to mention from last week from our reviews that I totally forgot about. So last week I had that mini convertible Mm -hmm. and we were talking about the Uh roof and you guys were debating whether it was a like a silk screen little Union Jack situation happening or it was woven in. I got an answer. It's actually woven directly into the fabric and there is a maximum number of colors. Do you know what the maximum number of colors they can do on the top of any convertible is? Eight? No, not even close. Three. Three. Uh, Okay. It's because it uses like those old, like, you know, the old fashioned machines you'd see, like if you went to tour, like the, the, like, this is what it was in a colonial Williamsburg or whatever. A loom? Yeah. It's like a loom situation where it actually pulls up the different threads. So it pulled like all three of the threads are always there and it just pulls up the one that it wants. So it can do three different threads. So it's, yeah, that's what I learned. So there's three. They have. Do they use a Toyota loom? They do not use a Toyota Loom, I don't uh, think. I don't know. Oh, I'm uh, sure it's some uh, proprietary thing because they make like every convertible top. I asked them, I'm like, who are your major competitors? He's like, it's us. If you've got a convertible soft top, it was made by Hearts. So I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, well, there you <laughs> but, go. Yeah. But so that's what they said. So it's actually, it's not, they do silkscreen stuff that's like on their vinyl kind of tops that you can yeah. like custom order. You could get one that said like Wheel Bearings Podcast if you wanted to. But um, otherwise, Ooh. yeah, right? So Merch. now there's your incentive to get a, get a convertible and and do that to it but yeah so they actually are all woven tops and they use different fabric different threads and they pull them up so that you can get exactly the pattern you want they have this funky stuff they did one for gucci they did one once for fiat that like says fiat on it as a special edition it was fancy stuff so i just wanted to mention that because it came up last week and i got that question answered I like that it's weaved in. Excellent. The silk screen looks cool, but it's gonna fade. Um, that, but if yeah. it's weaved in, like it's yeah. all gonna fade at the same rate because it's all it's all um, what do you call it dyed as right. opposed to yeah as opposed to like painted or whatever. So so you're not gonna have like your your top is really sort of still bright and brilliant, and suddenly the woven bits are starting to look like really faded and crummy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Now you can all go right. on to the news. So. Okay. Um, <laughs> Last time we talked about uh, Roberto driving the uh, Mercedes-Benz EQS in the mountains of Switzerland. Uh, and that wasn't the only thing, the only place where you got to drive it. Or it wasn't the only thing you evaluated when you were over in Europe, was it? That is true. Um, Mercedes took me to the Imadigan. You know, I had to, every time I had to do it on video, <laughs> I had to go up to a Mercedes person and say, how do How I many say takes this? did it take in that video? <laughs> all, I, all I had to do is have them say it to me and then I do the take. And then, but if, if like, as soon as I had to like say something else and then go back and talk about the Imadigan uh, test facility, I would have to walk over to somebody. How do, how do I say it again? And they were just like, oh, my God, this guy's an idiot. I can't believe we left him in our t- let him in our test facility or even in our vehicle. I was at the Emendingen test facility. I'm probably saying that wrong. In Germany. I have uh, to watch your video now to hear how it's supposed to actually sound. Yeah, that, was, that, that might be it. I don't know. Go, go watch the video. Um, and they let me, uh, I, I guess the word is drive, but sit behind the wheel of Drive Pilot, which is um, their level three autonomous system. It's coming to Germany on the S-Class initially and then eventually EQS um, before the end of this year. Um, And then the system will be coming to the United States. Uh, They really want to bring it over here. It's, you know, United States is a large market, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, and when you're bringing, when you're bringing something to Germany, uh, you have one country you have to worry about, and it's one law and one rule and one set of regulations when you bring something to the United States. 
it's 50 laws and 50 rules and 50 regulations. So uh, I feel like it's going to be tough for them. Um, but at the same time, yeah, go for it. Why not? Um, so I tried it out, and it was uh, impressive. We, we were on a track, and Mercedes explained to me that the reason we had to do it on a track is because, well, we can't create traffic on the uh on the 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 you know the highway or the expressway you know we can't recreate these these scenarios on the road without putting people in danger or you know we couldn't like what if we go out and there's no traffic and you're just driving around that's not very uh, helpful so they they recreated traffic they recreated uh cars parked not quite off the road they recreated uh an emergency vehicle they had a police vehicle like pull up behind us i don't know where they got that um (laughs) And all in all, the system worked well, really they, they well. They provide all those vehicles, all the police yeah, vehicles. Yeah, yeah. So, Every yeah, you, know, you when you go to no Germany, problem. like you get in the taxi, it's a Mercedes Benz, which which here would seem very fancy, and there it's just a car. You're like, eh, getting getting my gross taxi. It's still a gross taxi. It just happens <laughs> to have a the star on the front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it worked, yeah. It's so they worked. It has sort of the same sort of situation as Super Cruise, where you're seeing um, you have information that pops up on the uh, like a lighted information that pops up on the steering wheel. It tells you when you're in um, drive pilot and when you're not. Uh, you have to uh, first turn on the advanced driver's assistance system, the ADAS, and then at some point a little A will pop up on the dash cluster, and the little there's two buttons on either side of the um on on the steering wheel and when those light up you push the little you, you push one of the a's and then it takes over and mercedes-benz was very forward like the car is now everything that happens is the car's fault now not your fault it's not your responsibility so they are they, they are the taking cars yes. legal liability well okay. in germany at least so we'll see how that works in the united states yeah. we're, we're we're far more litigious than uh you know and volvo's you know very much said that they they will take responsibility um but yeah the car is the car's responsibility so i um first off that is even on a test track because we we're still like following a bunch of cars it's weird to be the behind the wheel of a car and not do anything and and not watch where you're going and not it's 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 really hard not to like want to drive even you know even when I've used autopilot and super cruise as you know as I mentioned earlier you you kind of want to put your hand on the wheel because you don't kind of don't trust the robots and I was like well it's their car who would see what happens <laughs> um, but yeah they it's it it worked really well in their you know in their in their little system that they set up it, there was no there were, and I think I've been on a lot of these sort of autonomous test vehicle drives, and almost every one of them, something is something. Even if it's small, something happens. There's always a little hiccup. There's always a little something here. There's always a little something there, and there that I didn't have any issue. There were no issues that popped up at all when I was in the the Mercedes. Um, the uh, the the system is it. There there are some rules. Um, it won't work in the rain at all. If it's raining, no, that you can't turn it on. That's they, they, why is that? I think because they 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 I, they're, I think the concern might be that the the rain might adjust the system the the sensors just enough where there's there's no there's no backup you know the redundancy like well if not all the sensors are working at the same time are working then we don't want to do it. And I think that that it probably comes down to the responsibility aspect of it. Where they're like, well, we if we're going to be responsible, we want to make sure it's working in ideal conditions. 
Um, so they're very forward. They 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 were very they were very like it doesn't work in the ring. And when we got there, it was kind of sprinkling, so they were trying to rush us through really quickly because oh, there was a bunch of us because they wanted to get us in the vehicle before it rained. And as I was doing um, my final uh, stand up of the vehicle after my drive, it started sprinkling. And so, you know, so I, I don't know if the other, the, uh, um, some of the other journalists were able to, to take a ride with it. But as soon as I got there, I was like, I got to get this thing because I got to shoot a video. Um, it's it, it only up to 60 um, kilometers per hour, which is about 37 miles per hour, which um, it's also sort of geofence like Super Cruise. You know, it's supposed to be on the freeway or a highway. Um, you can't go, you can't be going very fast. So it's, it's essentially uh, a traffic uh the level three traffic uh, um, systems. Traffic, traffic jam pilot. Is yeah, it's what, like a traffic. These things are being referred yeah. to as. Yeah, which you know, if you commute every day, you're gonna probably unless you you know even in an EV, you know the carpool lanes because there's more and more EVs here in the Bay Area. The carpool lanes are starting to get um, you know they're starting to get backed up, and so you're gonna be stuck in traffic. That's usually when you're on your way to work. You probably have emails. You probably have texts. You probably have to do some research for that meeting before you get to work. You might have some phone calls. You can do all that without really paying attention. Um, you can't – there is a, another rule. You can't have something that covers the um, in-vehicle monitoring system. So within the dash cluster, there's a camera that watches your face uh-huh. that makes sure – you can't, like, be reading a newspaper because it needs to make sure that you're still there, even though you're not responsible and you don't have to be paying attention, it still needs to see you. So that's that's interesting. Um, and I think that that also, I'm sure they they were, I'm sure they've seen a lot of those YouTube videos, whether they're real or fake or whatever, of people riding around in Tesla with the autopilot in the back seat or you know sitting in the passengers or just just you know whatever insane shenanigans that put themselves and others on the road at risk um i think they've probably seen those and they're like yeah yeah that's not going to happen we're, we're not you know um yeah no it was it i was i was uh i was impressed which is you know with these systems it's tough to be impressed with them because you know uh, you know, like and, and we've all talked about, the, you know where the, the fallacies are. You know where the, 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 the uh, how things are going to fall apart or could potentially fall apart while you're in these systems. Um, of course, but the, I was on a test track. And so, I th- you know, I really want to be able to test it on an actual road. So maybe before the end of the year, I'll get to go to Germany and try it on an actual vehicle, on an actual road, doing actual things um, and see how it works and see if I'm, I'm still as enthusiastic about it um again i it's you know it's, it's still tough not to 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 pay attention when you're driving um one thing um that was weird is that they have a lidar sensor that's in the front and it's to the it's on the driver's side of the star and on the left of the star on the passenger side of the star it looks like there's another lidar sensor that's a dummy sensor it's just there for symmetry <laughs> so you have that's one awesome you have one that's working and you have one that just looks it's just there it's yeah it's just symmetry it's it is very weird I, I i don't understand the i think there was well we've designed the cars this way we need the lidar we can't put it in the middle because that you know branding uh, i don't know just put something that looks fake yeah. over there 
<laughs> we can't we can't we can't put the star off center. That has to be front and center. That has so, to be absolutely you know, centered the, the and not yes. messed with in any way whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, if from from I watched the video and looked at the the, the pictures and you know, it looks like that sensor is uh, is pro- they haven't said who who the supplier is, but it looks like it's a Vallejo Scala lidar which has a fairly narrow vertical field of view so it kind of has to be where it is yeah. in the grill there they can't they can't put it up on top of the windshield like Volvo's doing with the their luminar lidar next year uh, and they can't really put it down lower so it kind of has to be at that height so they're you know they're kind of stuck you know as long as they're using that particular sensor um, and you know that's also when when Audi introduced the current generation A8 a few years ago, they also announced a traffic jam pilot system using that same LiDAR sensor, and they had it in roughly the same position in the grill. Um, but because the laws hadn't been finalized yet at that point, they, um, they never actually implemented that system. They never, they never released that, the software for that system. Uh, the the constraints you talked about, Robbie, around the the speed and geofencing and the driver monitor system, that's all because of the the regulation that was finally passed last year. There's there's an organization called UNECE that does harmonized vehicle regulations for all of Europe um, and like the, about three dozen other countries, about sixty countries around the world. They all follow the same. They all use the same set of vehicle regulations, and they passed a regulation for these so-called level three systems. Um, and you know, that specifically says you can't go above 60 kilometers per hour, 37 miles an hour has to be limited to highways, has to have a driver monitor system. Um, there's also some tests in there, you know, unlike here, you know, where, uh, electric car companies can just put stuff out on the road, you know, and let their, let their customers test it. Um, you know, over there, it actually has to be evaluated first and, and be, uh, approved before the manufacturer can sell it. And there has to be a data logging system that is accessible um, to uh, to investigators and to, to service personnel. So you, you, you don't have to rely on the manufacturer to tell you if the system was active at the time of a crash. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to see a bunch more manufacturers launch these kinds of systems over the next couple of years in Europe and, and elsewhere. Um, BMW was going to have a system like this on the iX. Um, I, when they were here in Detroit a couple weeks ago, I talked to them. And they, they they don't know yet when they're going to launch that one. It's probably not going to be until late next year at the earliest. And when on with the Volvo XC90 replacement, that's also going to have a system that's capable of this. But they haven't decided yet when they're going to enable the level three capability. Yeah, it's it's and you know I I would right. I would rather add error on the side of caution with all these systems um than yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't like the idea of beta testing. Yeah. I don't like <laughs> removing well, sensors. And especially when you get to these especially when you get to these systems where you know now you're allowing the driver to not watch the road 100% of the time. You know, with with Super Cruise you have to keep your eyes on the road all the time. The driver monitor systems looking for where you're looking. But with this system, you can be looking at the screen. You can be looking down at your phone and texting as long as your phone's not up in front of your face, you know, blocking the, the, the monitor. Um, you, can, you can be doing all this other stuff, but you do have to remain alert and ready to take over 
and the, the system they give you up to 10 seconds i think to take over mm-hmm. so that's kind of problematic because if you're not paying attention to the road even though you're awake if you're not watching what's going on you know when the system says whoa i need your help <laughs> you know it it takes some time yeah. for you to look around and figure out what the situation is and figure out what you need. You're coming to do. in cold. And, you're not coming in yeah. like prepared like you would yeah. with Super Cruise right. or with yeah. like the BMW traffic jam assist that they have where it's, it's hands free also, but it's you know it's 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 regulated to the to a certain speed. Um, you, you know what's going on. You know why the system's disengaging and telling you to take over. With with level three you're just like, um I guess this might be what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so speaking of Super Cruise, um, I got to try out the the latest update to Super Cruise last week at the GM Proving Grounds. Um, it's coming uh, next, uh, sometime early in 2022. Um, they're they're going to have a refreshed version, refreshed versions of the GMC Sierra and Chevy Silverado pickups, uh, and this updated version is going to be on there. So this is. The next step beyond what you drove in the the Escalade, uh, and it uh, it's using the same hardware, uh, and actually the updates that are going into the, the pickups will be provided to Escalade owners via an over the air update um, as soon as it's released for the for the for the pickups. Escalade owners will get it as well. Uh, so this will be the first time that GM has done this kind of update. Uh, this kind of functional safety update for one of their vehicles over the air without having to go into a dealer. So the, the, the changes now, there's, there's a few changes, a few improvements that the system has. One, you now have the ability to use Super Cruise and go hands-free while towing a trailer, uh, which you may or may not think is a good did idea. Did they have you try that? <laughs> like, did you see that? Yeah, yeah, we were towing, towing a 5,000-pound trailer. Well, and you're great. still here, so okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, you know, it was only, again, it was only on the test track. We didn't get to try it on public roads yet. Uh, but, um, you know, I know, you know, if you ever towed a trailer, you know, it can be a challenging situation, especially if you get into crosswinds and things like that. I mean, all modern trucks and utilities have trailer sway control, so they can try and detect that, and they'll apply the, the brakes individually to try and get that settled back down again. But um, I actually think that this this may actually be the best application for something like Super Cruise uh, is when you're towing a trailer because you, there's, you actually have more cognitive load when you're pulling a trailer because you've got to pay attention to what the trailer is doing uh, and you know when you're changing lanes and things like that. And if you can reduce some of that workload a little bit by allowing the driver to go hands-free but still paying attention, I think that that actually can, can be useful. And, you know, as you know, you know, when you put a trailer on the back of a vehicle, your stopping distances are going to be a lot longer. Your acceleration is going to be slower. So one of the, thing, one of the things that they've incorporated in here is uh, they put in some algorithms that look at uh, when you're braking, you know, when you apply the brakes, even before you use Super Cruise, uh, it looks at how hard you're hitting the pedal and what actual deceleration you're getting. And similarly, when you're accelerating, you know, how, 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 pr- how hard you press the gas and how fast the vehicle's accelerating. And then from that, it's working back and estimating how much of a load you're towing. So, you know, if you're towing a 2,000-pound trailer, 
you know, you're not going to have as much impact on your acceleration. If you're towing 5,000 or 10,000 pounds, you're going to have more impact. So they estimate what the trailer, what the trailer weight is from all of that. And then they're compensating in the way they control supercruise. So, you know, it will, when you're using supercruise, it will, for example, um, it'll start braking sooner if it, sees the vehicle ahead of you slowing down and it needs to adjust its speed or you know uh, it will uh, adjust the way it accelerates things like that so it, it does a lot of really clever things in there to compensate for the fact that you've got a trailer on there now um, when you're towing a trailer you don't get some of the other new features that supercruise is also getting uh, which is the automatic lane change capability so if you're not towing a trailer you now the, the the Sierra and Silverado and the Escalade and several other vehicles will also have the ability to automatically change lanes. On the the Escalade that you drove, Robbie, um, you can do lane change on demand if you tap the the turn yeah. signal stock. Uh, the sensors will look to see if the the adjacent lane is clear, and if it is, then it'll it'll actually execute the lane change for you. But you have to initiate it. You have to tell it, "I want to change lanes," and then it'll do it. With this updated version. You also have automatic overtaking. So if you know if your speed is set at 70 miles an hour and the car in front of you slows down to 65 or 60, the system will look to see if the the adjacent lanes are clear, and it will automatically do the the lane change. It'll give you a beep <clears throat> to let you know it's going to do a lane change. And if you if you don't want it to change lanes, you can just tap the turn signal stock to cancel it. But if you don't do anything, it will automatically do the lane change, speed up pass the vehicle in front of you, and then move back into the lane. And it, it always prioritizes going to the left, not the right lane, but to the left lane, and then moving back into the right lane after it completes the pass and gets clear of the vehicle ahead of you. So it's, it's programmed with proper lane etiquette. It will, it will pass on the right if there's no room on the left, but it always prioritizes the left. It's, um, it's, which I'm not crazy about that. It, it's it's but. sad that like I mean Tesla's system will, will will you know when I when I used it when they still had I used it when he still had to do the stock, but it would say hey you need to get back mm -hmm. over to the right lane and it's sad that we have the the cars telling us proper uh, lane etiquette mm -hmm. because people are just hanging out in the left lane like it's no, <laughs> like it's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so Super Cruise will will go back into the into the original lane by itself. Um, with you know, without any prompting, um, what else? Oh, because it can now do the automatic lane changes. It also takes care of another problem that Super Cruise has had since it launched, which is if you're driving down a highway and the lane that you're in is coming to an end, you had to manually move over into the other lane. Now it knows from the maps, from the the high definition maps that it uses, that oh, the lane I'm in is going to end in a mile. I'm going to move over to the other lane. And it does that automatically for you, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, so these are all changes that are going to be coming to the Escalade, uh, the Cadillac CT4, the CT5 uh, that have Super Cruise now. Um, it's also being added to the Cadillac XT6 um, and, um, and then also um, you know, the, the Silverado. Uh, so all that's coming early next year. Um, the, the trucks that we drove, um, because they're still prototypes and they, they, they're not GMCs, not ready to fully reveal the, all the updates to the 2022 trucks, the interior was all covered up with, uh, with, with camo, as was the, the front and the, the rear of the, the truck. Uh, but 
Uh, one of the questions that we had uh, today uh, was from uh, from AJ. He asked about uh, whether the 22 Sierra gets the updated infotainment screen. Um, so, as I said, we didn't actually get to see the infotainment screen, uh, but you know the the camo that was on there wasn't quite securely fastened down, <laughs> so I could actually see a little sliver of it there. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that you know because of the fact that they weren't letting us see the interior, I do believe that the Sierra and Silverado are getting the new Android Automotive powered infotainment system. Uh, when they when they launch early next year, it's going to be launching first on the the Hummer EV, and then um, coming to the the Silverado and Sierra early in the year. So I'm pretty sure it is getting that new system uh, when it launches, um, and those are both going to be you know late 22 model year launches, and so sometime probably in the first quarter is when they're going to go on sale. Cool. Uh, let's see. I gotta go check. Yeah. The dog is eating well, something. For... I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> you know, I was wondering why all uh, the um, pictures from the event were all this like totally covered up truck. Like you could like, how could we don't have a decent? Picture? Yeah. Well, they they wouldn't let us do any. You just answer the they question. They wouldn't let us do any photography. Well, it wasn't even like a they, picture. They only a... provided one photo. Yeah. Everyone, I'm like, why does everyone have this one crappy photo now? Now I know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we were at Milford and, and they wouldn't let us do any of our own photography. They they provided one photo. They did provide, you know, some B roll footage um that I put in my video. And they had a lot of video um, folks at that the, event too, and they didn't let anyone take any video. That's nope. Bizarre. Oh. They 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 had they had GoPros in the in the trucks and they provided us with the GoPro footage and then some B roll footage. That's it. So I just cut some of that together. Okay, yeah. so they'd be okay. Because that would have been a waste because they, they asked me to go and I couldn't. Uh, and it would have been a waste of my time if I couldn't yeah. do video. What are yep. you printing behind you? Um, it is the uh, is a quarter. Helmet? It is, yeah. It was a quarter of uh, a Daft Punk helmet. Um, so, it, yeah. So, in addition Thank to you. the large helmets that we're making, I'm making little ones. Okay. I had to know. I'm like, what is printing back there? Okay, fine. Okay. Magic. Back on track now. <laughs> All right. Okay, uh, last news item uh, this week is uh, some news last week from Argo AI, which is the company that is uh, partly owned uh, by Ford, partly owned by Volkswagen, and partly owned by um, by the founders, uh, Brian Selesky and Pete Rander, um, and, uh, and now also partly owned by Lyft, uh, who now has a 2.5% stake in the company, um, because Argo is teaming up with Lyft. Uh, and they're going to launch uh, Argo-powered uh, Ford Escape robo-taxis uh, later this year uh, in Austin and Miami um, on the Lyft network. So it's going to be kind of kind of like what, uh, if you go to Las Vegas now, or for, for the last couple of years, if you go to Las Vegas um, you, and you use L- the Lyft app, you have the option to get a ride from one of the um, self-driving uh, vehicles from Motional, previously Aptiv, um, now they're doing the same thing in, in Miami and Austin to start with, with, uh, with Argo. And this will be the first time the public gets to ride in Argo vehicles. Um, and, um, uh, uh, as I said, they're Ford Escapes. Um, to start with, it's going to be a few dozen vehicles. They'll gradually expand it over time. And at, at first, they will also still have safety drivers in them. Um, eventually at, at some point when they're, 
when they feel it's safe enough that they've proven the safety, they will add um, or they will take out the safety drivers. One of the interesting things about the the partnership with Lyft is that uh, Lyft has agreed to share a, a bunch of information, a bunch of their data with Argo, which uh, it, you know they've they've shared information previously with Motional and and with uh, with Waymo about where people you know where people are using where people are requesting rides where they're using Lyft you know times of day that sort of thing but there's some additional data that Lyft has agreed to share with Argo and that's why Argo's giving them some equity stake in the company uh, and that is safety data that they've got about um, crashes and near misses with their drivers you know information that they've collected through the the driver app the Lyft driver app um, using the accelerometers and the phones, so they can um, they can estimate when uh, the vehicles, you know, when when the driver is, you know, done an emergency braking situation based on the the amount of deceleration, um, and they're looking for for things like near misses, um, and looking at where, what times of the day, you know, what routes, you know, are more likely to uh, to have safety problems. And so Argo is going to be able to use this information as a baseline for checking the safety of their own vehicles hmm. to see if their own vehicles are avoiding those kinds of situations. So this will be one of the first times when you have – because a lot of the problem is a lot of the safety data that's out there is not really very precise. It's not very granular you know, as far as – you know, knowing a whole lot of information about when, you know, what the situation was, you know, where, where and when things happen. And so this is going to be one of the first times that Argo is going to have this, this other data to compare their own vehicles against. And that'll help them determine when their vehicles are actually safer than human drivers in the same scenarios. Um, so, you know, late, you know, later this year, if you happen to be in Austin and, or, or Miami, you know, Try out the Lyft app and see if you can get one of the uh, the Argo vehicles. Our, I, I was trying to think of a pun, but I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> I can see him. You can, he's like, uh, 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 nope, he's got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. I really thought I could pull it out, but no. Oh, that's kind of neat. I like the idea of them opening up. I, I, I've always... Uh, I, I like to see how these little baby steps are happening to getting all of this stuff being something that's in the hands of people in a... Um, in a way that's actually going to be something that they can use, you know, that you don't have to buy some expensive car to deal with it, that it's something you can, you know, calling for a lift. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's do some listener questions. Um, first one is from Speedmaster. Uh, it says, any other expected entrance to the mini truck scene, maybe something smaller than a Tacoma, for example. Um, Nicole, you were in Texas for Toyota's Toyota Palooza. Um, did you see any hints that they might maybe do something? You know, maybe using the the Corolla Cross platform. Honestly, as the basis there for was. They were so. You know, the the line. You know, we cannot comment on future product. Blah blah blah. Uh, that was pretty firmly in place. I, there was nothing. We saw big things. We did not see little things. So uh, yeah, there was nothing that I saw in Toyota. That would make me be able to say, like, maybe I think there's something smaller coming. I think GM's yeah. going to keep an eye on I Ford think... and see how the Ford, how the Maverick yeah. does. 
And, I think and the Maverick maybe, is going to do so well. Yeah, I think I everyone's going to keep slick. I think the the Santa Cruz will probably do okay, but I think the Mavericks going to do really well, and I think everyone's going to keep an eye on them. And then we're going to bring back Mini Truck and Magazine. Mini Truck. That there was you a go. Thing? Mini Truck and Magazine. Mini Truckin', and it wasn't a G. <laughs> it was I N apostrophe, and oh, you'd have all those slammed cooler. mini trucks, and uh, so yeah, you get some. Mini truck Ford Couriers. Okay. I will eagerly yeah. await the return Nissan of Mini Truck and Magazine. Yep. No, I, when I said the Maverick looked so good, and when the engineer went over everything with us the other day, it was there's a lot of thought that went into that thing. So I think it could do quite well. So I think your chance of Mini Truck and Magazine having enough trucks to talk about coming <laughs> back is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> mini Trucking. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I like what you say, Robbie, about about GM, you know, they've got all these, um, all these EVs coming and, you know, I mean, they, they still haven't shown us most of what, uh, most of what's coming. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. You know, I mean, they, they do have a, a compact, um, Chevy crossover off this EV platform. They could easily turn that into a pickup truck too. You know, I mean, it would, it would make a perfect platform for a pickup truck. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see GM do one, uh, especially, you know, the way they've talked, you know, so much about how they've compressed their development timeline with vehicles like the Hummer and the Cadillac Lyric, uh, you know, they could, they could probably knock something out, you know, maybe by the end of 2023, if not sooner. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think we will see some, some interesting products, especially, you know, if, as you say, Nicole, the, the Maverick takes off, you know, I mean, it, if both that and the Santa Cruz both kind of flop in the marketplace and, and don't really get any buyers, then, you know, I don't think anybody else is going to try it. But I, don't, I, think, I really you know, don't think well. I don't know how well the Santa Cruz is going to do because I haven't, like, spent as much time with that. But I spent a – didn't drive it, but that – the, the amount of thought that went into every last thing they did in that Maverick, like the way the bed is, it, it looks like there's just, you know, every, you know, you can fit a two by four here to create an extra division. So you have three segments and you can put plywood here to fit, make it like a two level thing. And you can adjust the tailgate here so that it makes a door for that piece of plywood. Like there's a lot of thought that went into that so that people who just need like that little I kind of sort of want a truck, but I don't want a truck, but I need it to do a little bit more than the average car. It looks like they nailed it. So unless the thing drives terribly, I think I, I would be shocked if it wasn't a success, honestly. Okay. Maybe we'll get the Baja right, back too. Next one. Hey, you never uh, know. The Baja. Ooh. Hey. <laughs> Maybe Subaru can finally get some buyers for it. I, it's the the aftermarket <laughs> for those things, they like it went it skyrocketed in the last few years because then suddenly it's like, oh, these are cool. But by then they'd stop making them. No one bought them when they're new. Now they all want them used. <laughs> Whoops. <Yeah. laughs> all right, next one up from. Uh, I'm, I'm going to assume this is supposed to be Team Engineer, Team Anger. Um, it says, uh, why won't automakers provide official technology upgrade process like Tesla does? Uh, example, my 2014 Corvette radio is garbage, and I want to hand money to GM to replace it with a newer version, but they won't. Uh, well, you know, there is the aftermarket. Uh, you know, if, if GM doesn't want to take your money for that, you know, you can, you can put an aftermarket audio, you know, system in there. Um, I'm, you know, the, the, problem, the problem is up until now, these, these systems have not been designed to be upgraded. You know, man, manufacturers did not design their... They they didn't 
take into account that they would ever have to do that. Uh, so, you know, now new vehicles are being designed that way. They're being designed with the intention of being upgraded, getting software updates and performance upgrades over their lifespan. So going forward, you will see that. But yeah, I mean, if, if you want to, if you want a new audio system in your 2014 vet, you know, I mean, 2014 doesn't solution. seem like it was that long ago, but in the tech world, that was the dark ages. Like, that's a long that's, yeah. time. For OEMs so to, especially. Yeah, I'm yeah gonna, that's, a, that's too far ago to for them to have thought like, hey, you know, maybe we can upgrade this, you know, do an OTA upgrade or something. You know, it's that was too long ago for that. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a type of person that likes to do things yourself, I would recommend, and I've been recommending these, these folks since like the 90s, Crutchfield. I mean, I used to get the catalog. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like you just tell them the car you want, you have, and you tell them the stereo you want. And like, okay, here's the, here's, the, uh, here's the harness. Here's the bracket in case you need a new bracket. Here's everything you need to put this stereo in your car. And, or you can just go to like, and, and they will, or. and they will tell you exactly which ones fit, yeah, which ones won't, exactly, yeah, you know, and all, they'll tell you all the speakers that'll fit in your car, and you know, you know where where there's cavities to put a speaker in. So if you want to add more speakers, you know, they'll tell you all that stuff. And it, yeah, their Crutchfield's great. I, I I remember getting their catalogs all the time, and leafing through them. But now you can just do it online on on their yeah. website. I have to add that to the to the show notes. Crutchfield, yeah, good old Crutchfield. And, and actually, um, yeah, I mean, even even Best Buy, you know, actually yeah. stocks surprisingly enough stocks a lot of that stuff, a lot of those adapter kits, you know, because a lot of newer vehicles they have they have openings that you know are not necessarily you know single din or double din openings. That's the the two sizes of you know standard audio systems. But you can get adapters, you know, get bezels that will fit. So you can put a standard one in there once you take out the, the whatever came from the factory. Um, and you can find a lot of that stuff at, uh, at your local Best Buy as well uh, or on Amazon as well. All right. Next up, Tom McQuinn. I'm a fairly recent listener who uh, discovered Sam on the uh, Laporte's Tech Guy show. Hands-on guy who's gone through the pain of learning OBD2 and does his own maintenance, but I still find things in every episode that interest me, even when I'm just sitting there slack-jawed going, what the... You don't learn and grow by just taking advice from like-minded people. But the discussions of navigation systems frustrate me. I listen while driving, so I do miss things. But do these vendor navigation systems include traffic data? After a few years of no commuting, I am now driving 60 miles a day. A wreck on the highway can cost me an hour of time that I don't have to spare. Google Maps, however, will tell me there's a wreck and give me an alternate route. I use it even when I know exactly where I'm going. It's a deal breaker for me nav-wise. I have a friend who refuses to turn on location data for privacy reasons. We met down south for a trip, and he spent four hours getting through a bridge construction log jam that Google routed me around. It only cost me about 20 minutes of back road driving through rural Kentucky. Um, I'm nobody's poster boy for normalcy, but I really wonder if I'm the only one who values the traffic data that Google Maps provides. Do, I, you, do you guys use Google Maps or Waze or Apple I Maps? Use, or? I use Google Maps. And, and even if I know where I'm going, just so I have an ETA of where yeah, I'm going to be. And, I, like, and, and sometimes if I know where I'm going and Google Maps is like, go this way, I'm like, no, Google no, yes. if you live in, it's, it's like bad Google. That is not the bad. best way to go on this. I know where yeah. I am. No, I agree with you. I use it even when I know where I'm going because it does. 
especially if there's what I think might be the slimmest chance that I'm like doing, even if it's somebody say it's like an hour away and it's highway driving, if it's at rush hour and there's an accident, suddenly your hour drive is two and a half, unless someone tells you there's an accident and then you have 85 different back roads you can take. Although I don't know if I want to go on the back roads through rural Kentucky, but I would still, you know, I would still rather have an alternate route. So I tend to use it, um, but yeah. Hey, those back roads in Kentucky are actually great to drive they on. They can, as long, yes, but. Don't necessarily want to run out of gas or get stuck the there. That's the kicker, right? So I don't <laughs> want to get stuck in a back road in rural Kentucky. Now the Kentucky listeners are like, delete from my playlist. But we love you, Kentucky. Um, but yeah, so I use it. And I, th- I think a lot, I mean, I see a lot of people that do that. I, I think Google Maps gets a lot of use from people who are just trying to keep kind of keep an eye on things to make sure that even a regular route, but especially if I'm going on a road trip, like if I'm really driving, I use that all the time because I don't know where the heck I'm going. And if there's some log jam that's going to add hours to my drive when I'm already driving six hours, I don't want to get stuck in that. There, there, you can use Google Maps, and I, and I talked to the Polestar uh, folks about this as well, where you don't have to sign in, you don't have to create an account. Um, because, you know, the Polestar uses Android Automotive, which is all this Google information that, of course, Google has access to this data. But if you're paranoid about privacy and about Google knowing where you are, et cetera, um, you can use the maps without um, signing in. Uh, so that's nice. Um, you know, you're still being tracked. You're still being tracked because you own a phone. You're still being tracked. You know, it's 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 rather difficult to not be tracked as a, as a human in this day and age. And but if you want, if you really, if you if you really want to at least minimize that, just don't create accounts. You know, it's not going to remember your last, uh, you know, your last uh, uh, addresses or your home or any of that stuff. But if you just type in the, you know, I need to go, you know, to this place, and you don't ha- you don't sign in your account. You're, you're, you're less likely to be, say, oh, hey, this is Phil from New Haven and he's going here again. It's, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's just data to them. So they'll know someone's doing this. They yeah. just won't know exactly who. They don't know who it is. They don't know who, yeah. exactly who and, you are. And, and even, you know, even if you don't sign into anything, just carrying a phone, if nothing else, your cell carrier will know where yeah. you are because your phone has to connect to a cell tower in order to be useful. Yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're pinging so towers. Even if you turn off all the location data, yeah, you're, the, the carriers will know where to find you approximately anyway. I think I've long um, since so, given up yeah. the idea that there's any privacy unless I decide to live like a hermit, yeah. like Henry David Throw or one of those guys, Walden. Remember that that's book everybody had to read? Walden Pond, yeah. Walden Pond, living out there in the middle of nowhere. Then they won't know where I am. But even then, I'm probably on Google Maps somewhere and they got me anyway. So, Yeah. I, and I think, you know, part of the question here from Tom was also about the, the built-in nav system. So even if you're not using, you know, Google Maps or Apple Maps or Waze uh, from your phone, the the built-in navigation systems in vehicles, at least, you know, most of them over the last 8 to 10 years, actually do have traffic data available. It usually, uh, it generally comes through Sirius XM. Um, and so I think you have to have a Sirius XM account to get that data. But, you know, if you have that, if you have a Sirius XM subscription, then in most cases you will get traffic data. So even if you're using the embedded navigation, it will give, you know, and I've had this, you know, in many of the cars I've driven in, because I usually try to use the the built-in nav, you know, just to see how bad it is. (laughs) 
uh, compared to Google Maps. Uh, and I, you know, I have had it, you know, uh, say, hey, you know, there's a slowdown ahead. You know, do you want to be, you know, here's an alternate route if you want to take it. So it's not as slick as as what you get with Google Maps or or, or Waze, but it is there. So uh, that traffic information is available, but it will cost you extra uh, to get that get that data. Um, so yeah. it's it's there, but as I said. All right, next up, uh, Rob Johnson, uh, wondering if you can point me and my sophomore college kid in the right direction. She's a cybersecurity student who's interested in focusing on automotive security. I spent my formative years as an intern at IBM, and it was an incredible experience for me. Do the big manufacturers do these kinds of things? It's probably not called internships now. I'm envisioning her working for free and, in return, getting some experience in the field where she's really interested in. and uh, appreciate your comments and suggestions. So first of all, do not take unpaid internships. That's Correct. bullshit. Yeah, so 100%. No, no comp, no comp, no comp, every co- everybody that gets interns should be paying their interns. Yes. If, if they refuse to pay your intern, their, your interns, go somewhere else. I don't care how, how what experience you might be getting. Don't take an unpaid internship. No. Because uh, that's you know that's wrong here, here. for companies yeah. to do that. It is. It is. I, and they do call them internships. I, my uh, daughter is not in cybersecurity, mm-hmm. but she's in software engineering um, focused on AI. She has an internship that pays her. And how she found it was she went to stuff. I mean, she's a year behind. Well, she'll be a sophomore, so I guess maybe about the same age as your kid. She actually did the recruiting stuff that her school does. Her school has a ton of things where they come on campus and they have hiring days and they're looking for internships. And she applied for a lot. It was as COVID started. So things were like, yeah, we've got a position. No, we don't because we've canceled all our internships. But she had a lot of people reach out to her. And even the one she didn't get, I think it was still a great opportunity for her to sort of see what was out there. And and you're sort of uh, getting your interviewing skills going by just doing some of these internship things and these application processes. But I would tell your your kid to look on campus and see what kind of recruiting they do. Because my daughter's campus has literally, I think, three or four different recruiting days during the school year. And she got leads from every single one. And it ended up giving her one that's full-time in the summer and part-time during the school year right through graduation. And she just finished her freshman year. So I would start by looking and seeing what kind of opportunities there are right on the campus where she goes to school mm-hmm. or he. Post uh, post, yeah. post, and, and oh, post OnStar hack, um, every yeah. OEM has been built, built up um, – built up their their infosec teams um there's also you know there's a bunch of startups there looking for uh infosec startups that are you know pen testing a lot of these oems so you know check with some of the startups um i've gone well not the last two years but i've been going to defcon for a few years and they have a car hacking village like a whole village like a whole section it's all about car hacking and you know there's a lot of different like things that are going on um so in addition to internship just sort of Go and and check out the community and talk to people in the community because they you know the you know the you know the the internship at this OEM might not be as good as the internship at this OEM you know even post OnStar I remember talking to different automakers about because I, I used to be an infosec reporter 
Um, so I was doing both at the same time. I was doing InfoSec and cars. So I kept asking InfoSec questions around that time to automakers. And you could tell the ones that were really taking it seriously and the ones that were just sort of like lip service, just saying, oh, yeah, we have. I'm like, oh, so are you using third parties to pen test your systems in order, you know? And they're like, oh, um, we'll have to get back to you on that versus like, oh, yeah, we've been doing that for years. And, you know, it's, yeah, you, you know, ask the, you know, reach out to the to the community um but you know automakers are you know they're, they're probably going to have internships for you uh, again there's the pen testing companies the infosec companies and then a lot of startups that are doing a lot of you know yeah and yeah and most most of the automakers now have you know internal uh cybersecurity teams and you know over the last five or six years you know, they about five years ago, six, or actually almost six years ago now, they set up what's known as an, an auto ISAC, an information sharing and an analysis center. And a lot of different industries have these. Uh, so there's one for the auto industry. All the major automakers and suppliers are part of this. They share security information about vulnerabilities. Um, so they're they're all, you know, since the OnStar hack and the Jeep hack, they've, they've all become hyper aware of this and they're, they're all taking it much more seriously now. Uh, in fact, the, the guys who did the, the legendary Jeep hack, um, uh, Chris Valasek and Charlie Miller, they work for Cruise now. They're in charge of cybersecurity at Cruise, which is GM's um, autonomous vehicle group. And um, so, as you said, the, the automakers, um, but also the AV companies, companies like Argo, you know, they're looking for, um, for cybersecurity people because, especially for AVs, it's really critical that you know their systems be secure um you know cruise waymo um aurora zooks you know they're they're all looking for people most of the startups uh in this area are actually based in israel um you know a lot of a lot of guys coming out of the israeli intelligence service have gotten into this field and several quite a few of them have uh that have popped up over the last five or six years have actually been acquired by big suppliers like Bosch, Continental, and Magna. Um, so look to those uh, look to those big um, tier one suppliers as well because they have acquired some of these companies. So they're they're also involved in this stuff. Companies like Aptiv as well. Um, so there, there's a, a whole bunch of companies out there. And, and as Nicole said, you know, work with you know your your school recruiters. You know, they they know where to find a lot of this stuff. But um, yeah, go, you know, go to the websites of of these different companies. Uh, you know, especially the smaller ones, the the startups, and you know they usually have a, a link right on the front page for careers. They're almost all hiring people, um, and ch chances are pretty good they're looking for people looking at cybersecurity. And um, you know, you should definitely be able to get a paid internship in this field. Yeah, and they, they've been talking for years about how there's a lot, there's not enough cybersecurity people in the in the world to take on all the jobs. So mm -hmm. it's it's a, it's if you. If she, uh, if he or she is really into it, then it's, it's, yeah. You're gonna do all right. Last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's def definitely a field where you where you will be able to find work for for the foreseeable future. Uh, okay, Adam Jordison, uh, family of five. All three kids are preteen age, so no more car seats. Thankfully, uh, we bought a 2012 Chrysler Town and Country in November of 2011, but it only has 60,000 miles on it right now. Here's my question. What is the outlook for three-row electric vehicles on dealer lots by the end of 2022? Uh, would a PHEV be the best option of its plug-in hybrid? 
Um, I'm looking. Um, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm, ugh, I'm not going to go try and purchase a vehicle this year because of the current state of inventory at dealerships and potential for markups. However, I was curious that what the marketplace might look like in 18 months. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, there will be three-row vehicles on the market uh, next year, uh, electric. Uh, and plug-in hybrid, and actually, um, you know, if you were in the market right now, well, you might have a hard time getting one. The Chrysler Pacifica plug-in yeah. hybrid, uh, mm-hmm. three-row, you know, perfect, perfect replacement for your for your town and country. Um, you know, and it's got 32, 33 miles of electric driving range. Um, and then, you know, when you want to do a road trip, you just keep right on going. Um, there will be uh, a variety of. Uh, SUVs, crossovers um, in that range. Uh, Ford has said they're going to have an electric Explorer coming, although they haven't given a timeline for that. But I would expect that to, you know, probably by uh, 2023. Um, GM has a bunch of stuff coming. Um, there is the Volkswagen uh, ID Buzz, the production version of which will be arriving in the U.S. market in 2023. Um, it's launching in Europe next year and then 2023, uh, the year after that, uh, or in the U S. Um, and, uh, see what else, uh, uh, oh, there, there's the Rivian R1 T or R1 S, you know, which is three row, but that's pricey, maybe a little on the small side for you. And that's going to be pricey. Uh, but there, yeah, there will be a lot of choices, uh, by the end of next year, you'll have a bunch of things to choose from. I say you be the cool parent and you get the, uh, the buzz, the ID buzz. Yeah. I think it's going to be tough to get one though. When those things come out, I think those things are, they, they, people have been champing at the bit for those things ever since they, they, they showed it off. I don't even remember what show, but since then everyone's like, when's that coming? I have people who DM me. Like just hey, when's the ID buzz coming? And I say, oh, 2023, 2022 in Germany, and they're like, okay, okay, I get, I think I can wait. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, if you like, I said, if you don't want another minivan, there will be SUV crossover type vehicles as well in that in that segment. So, and there there will be two rows and three row vehicles. So, you'll have there there will be something for you to choose from. Oh, there's also, um, let's see, I'm trying to remember, the Fisker Ocean. The that's Fisker a Ocean, row, isn't it? That's, no, it says, I believe it says, uh, it, I was just Googling it, that, and it says, Google says th- one of the benefits will be to offer a third row seating option. So, okay, um, there you go, the Fisker Ocean. You can, so. you can support our, our old friend, Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah. So, yeah, there will definitely be stuff out there for you in, in elect- both electric and plug-in hybrid. So with that, I think we're done for this week. That's it. Yeah. That's all she wrote. I still got a few more days with the Escalade. Right. The Escalade. Watch that video. You got to Google that. It's hilarious. Escalade SNL. Escalade. <laughs> all right. See you all Bye. next time. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.